get that in your ear holes. Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by a very disappointed Will Murden. How's it going tonight, Will? Yeah, we're a couple of somber lads here. Uh, in Australia, we've just recorded, uh, well sorry, we've just watched the kangaroo, k- kookaburras. Jeez, you are just chopping it up early, aren't you? I'm a bit rattled. I'm a, I'm a yeah. bit upset about it. I've been heavily invested. They've, uh, I've watched a lot of games of theirs across the tournament. I really thought this is the year that we'd be able to bring it back. After the girls got bowled out, I was like, we're going to get it done here. I'd already penciled yeah. this gold in. Uh, and, oh, and I definitely be. have. I definitely had. And, you know, obviously a bit of rivalry here. English Jess uh, supporting Great Britain vehemently and, and bringing a lot of venom in the uh, in the household as well and letting me know after our really, really impressive start in the pool about how, you know, the Brits had, had overtaken us and rightly so until we jagged a couple of medals today. But I did want to make a, a quick apology on the Olympic front because we don't want to dive down this rabbit hole too much because we could. We could literally do a whole episode on this. I said that Australians had been fractionally disappointing, particularly the favourites. Um, after that point, I think the following day after recording that, we recorded our best day ever in Olympic history um, of four gold medals. Jess Fox got her gold medal, which I was stoked about. Um, and we have now put on an equal best... I say we, I have nothing to do with it, but an equal best uh, Olympics ever in terms of gold medals. So that's been fantastic. And, and it has been a, a really, really good Olympic Games. I've been glued to it more than I have in, in Olympics past. So um, well done to all the Aussies out there, except maybe, or like especially one of the two terms, uh, the rugby players and the soccer players who just Ooh. thought they would turn over the uh, Olympic Village and then jet on out. I'm all I'm all for that. That was awesome. Like get around. That's that's a big part of what it's about. So, firstly, not, uh, the, the motivation that you were able, the little fire that you were able to light under the team, has gone a long way here. We we know for a fact, like a fact that we are making up, but a fact that this show is quite popular amongst the Olympic team in the, in the village. It, it's a lot of when they need to kind of unwind and, and you know, relieve that pressure, they whack us on. They, li- they listen to this show. They're big college football fans, love the, uh, love the Australians over there. And they heard that, they took that on board. And as a result, we've seen the fantastic outcome of, of the gold rush that we've been hit. So well done, mate. You've done your part. Yeah, I don't think I'm taking any credit for that. Just on the uh, the athletes tearing the joint up, I'm all about, and obviously we've uh, had a little bit of first-hand experience of mingling with uh, Olympians post-returning from the Olympics, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but I just, I and I'm all for having a party and having a good time. I'm not huge on punching holes in walls and turning the joint over. Like, don't get me so, wrong. If so you, you're saying you you've wanna... never left a joint with a bunch of yak all over the walls and everywhere? I mean, again, just give it a, a, a cursory towel down is all I'm asking. Like, you, you don't need to go and, you know, super fix it up, but you're in a, a country and a culture who doesn't really appreciate that that much. I'm, I'm not, like, I'm, again, all for having parties, all for going bananas, um, but if you're making headlines, if you're making the front page of the paper, you're doing it wrong and people's contracts are going to be up as a result of this. So, um, I mean, they're the decisions you make. Again, if you want to take the, um, I don't know, the Bahamas 4 by 100 
um, female relay team and try and test the strength of those cardboard beds in Tokyo, go your hardest. No issue with that. Don't be punching holes in walls um, and making those um, very friendly, very courteous Japanese people clean up your mess. I'm not, I'm not huge on that anymore. I don't love destruction of property. <laughs> Unnecessary. You're such a grown-up these days. Like, yeah, you think it's there might have been games, there might have been things getting thrown around. Who knows what's happened there? They deserve an opportunity to let their hair down and really get after it. If they're going to make the beds out of cardboard, the walls are probably pro- shitty too. Everyone knows that these Olympic villages just turn into like abandoned fucking housing yards anyways afterwards. So who gives a shit? They might as well knock it all down. They, they, I feel for them. I, I do feel for the Japanese people. With like, It's been fantastic run games few little technology glitches which is surprising kind of like your ability to get the word out very I, similar i i if, if all the things that they would fuck up tech is not where i would have thought i would have thought they'd be all <laughs> over that but there has been a few issues on that everything else though has gone off without a hitch only downside is they can't have anyone watching so they must have lost yeah. a packet in in ticket sales and all yeah, that we yeah, said we weren't sure. going to go down this rabbit hole we have we've started down this yeah we have so let's try and steer this ship around but a couple of passionate aussie uh, fans two of us. yeah for sure and again tear the joint up just kurt like just sweep up a little bit before you leave that's have you your day do. have your day and don't do it on the plane because then you get in more trouble. Uh, okay, we are into a Big 12 preview here. We've got news to get to first. Uh, this is Will's baby, so I'm not going to hang around too long on this particular conference because really it's become irrelevant. And on that note, let's get to some realignment news. Will, you are all over this. So what has been happening? Obviously, we had our realignment uh, episode, so if you, you know, which has now become obviously a, a fluctuating and ever-changing environment. Uh, teams uh, have moved we know that Texas and Oklahoma have come across but on the back of that there's been a whole bunch of other speculation rumors and talk between conferences Um, the big one of course just in the last couple of days is the Pac-12 and the Big 12 so what's going on in that space look before we get right into this I just want to hold you up because you said we don't want to spend much time on this because the Big 12 is going to be I could not agree disagree more with you on that and, and hear me out The way things are going, the Big 12 is not going to exist much longer. So this episode will instantly become like a classic. It'll be a rare one that we'll look back in time. That It's one of the the all-timers. So we really need to do a good job today, mate. Because the Big 12 is not long for this earth in its current standing. Uh, So uh, uh, the last episode that we had when we talked through it there wasn't anything official since then it has rapidly escalated uh both texas and oklahoma came out and said we're definitely leaving and sec the sec have gone and unanimously voted to bring them in which is interesting because texas a&m and missouri came out and said no nah, we don't want them 100 not keen unanimously has then voted them in so you can see where they sit in the pecking rung of things and told to get in line no there um, would have been some hush money there no exactly little bitches um <laughs> so on on the back of this this has just blown the lid off of uh 
what we know is structure within college football and the conferences and realignment is is back at the forefront. It, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. It's getting a whole heap of media play over in the States at the moment. And the big thing or the, the, the main consistent thing that we'll see is that no one really fucking knows what's happening like it, it, it's all speculation everyone loves to talk about it because it's exciting there's a lot of hypotheticals you can throw out like we were we were talking scenarios uh last episode everyone's kind of had their own shot at it but nothing really outside of the texas ou move is concrete at this stage and Nothing else has been really formally discussed at any great length. The one piece of noteworthy news that I think is worth talking to is the commissioner of the Big 12 has met or is meeting with the commissioner of the Pac-12 to discuss a potential alliance between the two uh, conferences. Uh, so that could be in the in the way of a merger. It could be like some some scheduling. Uh, work there who, who knows I think at the end of the day the, the only thing that would be significant if it was a merger if, if it's not that we're going to see something else happen we're going to see the four best California schools join the big 10 or we're going to see something radical like that so a merger would kind of turn the big pack 20 into a into a massive conference that's kind of like the middle America all the way across to the west and I think there's some pros to that. I think that could actually work. And the, the, like the collective pool um, would be an interesting one. You'd get one or two teams that would come out of that that'd be able to compete on the national scale uh, every year. But it'd also be like a nice standalone piece that, that would be worthwhile winning and, and quite a competitive one for people to get after. Um, so that's kind of the big one. The, the other stuff that is floating around is, as you talked about, does the SEC continue to grow? So that's the whole one super conference scenario that we talk where they grab Clemson, Florida State, uh, Ohio State, and then one other from the Big Ten and, and form that super conference there and, and everyone else just kind of loses. Yeah, I mean, there was some other talk again, more rumors, but uh, on the back of the Pac-12 and Big 12 having a chat to each other, the only two conferences left out at this point are the ACC and the Big Ten. So then there was talk that are those two conferences getting into discussions because geographically, I suppose, on a on an entirety or the you know the, the grandiose size of the United States, those two conferences aren't horribly disjointed ge- geographically. Um, and Notre Dame would slide into that as well, which uh, How many makes teams would that sense. Make? What's that, sorry? How many teams would that make, though, if those two were to kind of combine it? That, that's quite large. Like, the, the yeah, Pac-Big like 20 four, is a lot. Yeah, but. yeah, it would be bigger than that. Uh, but I think they would have to flick some. Like, I think they would... The Big Ten would have to dump Rutgers, I think, would... Like, they'd have to find a way to get out of that. Again, this all comes back to contract contracts and money. And I was reading again today uh, that the ACC TV contracts, we spoke about how, sorry, before I jump into that, we spoke about how Texas and Oklahoma's TV contracts to the Big 12 were going to cost somewhere near $70 million to get out of that. At the moment, the ACC's contracts go through until 2035. So if Florida State and Clemson want to get out of that TV contract, it's going to cost them in the neighborhood of $390 million. Now, that's not going to happen. Who's that TV contract with? Is that an ESPN deal? The ACC is an ESPN yeah, so, deal. Yeah, so then SEC is obviously ESPN as well. So that there might be some kind of transition where it's the same company where they'd be kind of cool to take that hit. 
They could, but the ACC would disagree with it, though. The ACC yeah, right. wouldn't want that. And they, you know, that they hold the contract as well. So they'd be breaking. And those contracts exist with under the teams in the current format. It doesn't matter what ESPN wants in that stance if, you know, as, those teams yeah, can't just jump ship. As someone who works in procurement, I should probably be across the fact that there are often two parties to a, uh, a contract. So it's a, a good point you raised there, mate. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you work in a big, like... Um, a bit of a day job that uh, you know tries to take over the world and has really little care for people on the other sides of those contact uh, contracts. So I can see that why you would just neglect them completely in their in most discussions. You got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, another bit of news: Miles Brennan has done himself an injury. What does this mean for him? What does this mean for his team? And how severe is this injury? Oh, look, he, he was a bit of an unknown quantity uh, coming in. So I think he, he got injured partway through last year as well. Correct. So he, he showed some flashes. He, he wasn't incredible, but there were certainly some flashes there where he was looking to be a really promising player uh, at, at LSU. I think they had bigger issues in the quarterback position, so he was always going to struggle a little bit last year. But that's where this year, with the defense that they've got, with him coming around, and if he was to take a step forward, they were really exciting. So I'm super disappointed to see him go down because they now fall to a second string. It, it is a broken arm, so what what's that normally? About eight weeks. Um, it, it may mean he only misses the first month of the season and can potentially come back on that. But as you know, one one loss is a massive dent, another on top of that, and, and it's your season done. So it's worthwhile noting. Uh, it's disappointing for him and the, the LSU Tigers, but who knows? That they'll be loaded at that quarterback room. So are they? Do they still have Brad Johnson's youngest? Uh, Brad Johnson's son, former Super Bowl winning quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Max Max Johnson. Um, I believe he was there. I don't know if he... And he looked good early, so I don't know if he's going to get some pop coming in to um, spring camp or spring training. Sorry, not spring training, fall camp, which brings me to my next point, and that is fall camp starts this week. So uh, I've got a bit of Aaron's advice, which appears to be coming a bit of a segment here, but just wanted for those people that are getting into college football for the first time, particularly in the Australian market, you are going to read information with full camp starting and you are going to read how good a new defensive end is or a freshman defensive tackle or a quarterback who's been a third string his whole life but is now a starter and how good he is. He's just really zinging it around. Read these articles and peruse these headlines with care. Not necessarily trepidation, but just with care. Do not believe that every single player on the practice field is going to dominate when they come out on Saturday because the reality is that's not going to be the case. So whilst it's fine to get excited about new players, if they haven't shown a lot in four years, they're probably not going to show a lot in their fifth. If they're a three-star player or a two-star player, an unrecruited person... Yeah, we get some that slide through the cracks, but not so much anymore. If you think they're going to come in as a true freshman and dominate, that's probably not going to happen. So just take a little bit of care when reading your team's headlines. Yeah, look, I, I do agree. I think for your team, though, it, it's a good one to get around, though, especially if you're kind of new to it and, and you're really starting to immerse yourself because 
the the more you can pick up about these guys, the more you'll enjoy when you're watching it. When, when you when you can play back to say, oh yeah, I heard this guy had a big spring camp, and when he makes that first touchdown catch, now he's or, not starting. Now he's not starting. Yeah, well, um, I mean, there's going to be a bit of that. You need to read a lot and take it all on. But then when they do show out, you're kind of like, yeah, this is awesome. These these kids doing all right. All right. On that, fall camp started. Enjoy your fall camp. Uh, but let's get to a Big 12 preview. Now, in our previews, we have got a buy, sell, hold. So if you would like to... You think that this ball club is on the up and up, you may potentially buy. If you're out on them, you'll sell and somewhere in the middle, which is most people in the Big 12. Most teams in the Big 12, you will hold. We've then got sneaky good, sneaky bad, a conference champ and a bold prediction. I've taken the top half alphabetically. You've taken the bottom half. Where would you like to start, William? Uh, maybe you can kick things off for us, mate. Let's go Kansas State football. Kansas State. Okay, they were four and six last year. I am buying Kansas State football. I think four and six sells them short. Head coach Chris Kleiman has done okay so far uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. Got a win streak going against Oklahoma. That always makes things better. Um, but for some reason, he's copping a little bit of heat. He's 12-11 and 11 over his first two seasons, which isn't great, admittedly. Kansas State probably think he's better than that, than just above 500. But Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, was injured last year. They had Will Howard come in. He tried really hard, but he just wasn't that good. They've got Deuce Vaughn, who's a really fantastic running back. And, and when he was injured, uh, in the game early with Skylar Thompson, and that passing game particularly was pretty good. Uh, he, but unfortunately, he did lead the team in receptions last year. There was no wide receiver that got over 20 catches, and that, to me, is a huge concern. Bigger than that, though, is the surprisingly bad job that they did on the defensive side of the ball. And unfortunately, this year, I don't know if they're getting a whole heap better. Um, there are pieces in the front seven that their secondary is a bit patchworky at the moment. Um, but they did finish last in the big 12 against the pass, which wasn't great. I, I'm still buying them though. I think if they can put some of those injuries behind them, um, that, that, that defense grows up a little bit. I think Kansas state could potentially be in that next group down. So I'm buying on Kansas State, mainly on the back of thinking that they are better than the four and six that they put up last year. Yeah, okay. And and they're a team that often float around that mark and, and often surprise as well. I think they, they pull together some really good seasons. Uh, I'm probably a little bit less optimistic about their chances than you are for this side. I think they're... they're I've got to be optimistic about someone because there's not a lot else left. So Yeah, yeah. well, for me, it's not Kansas State. I think there are a couple of teams in here who, who will surprise. They, they certainly fit the mould of someone who could. I just don't think it's going to be them. They, they don't have... Uh, a whole heap of returning quality coming back that, that really has me thinking. Like Juice Vaughan, yeah, he's a really good running back. Agree there. I think he's going to generate a lot of efficiency in that backfield. The defense wasn't great. They're not, they don't, they're not really capitalizing on the year of the super senior. So for mine, I'm, I'm a little bit more hesitant in backing them in, and there's some other sides that I'd, uh, I'd rather get around. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I just think that they could come through with, I don't know, like I think maybe one game better than 500. Like they make a bowl game this year. They'll be, they'll be okay. Um, and I think that, that big group after Oklahoma will be competitive. And I think they're going to 
ruffle some feathers at some stage, whether that's a, an Oklahoma State, whether that's an Iowa State. They will they'll play someone tough. They'll beat Oklahoma because they do every year. So um, let us move on. Should we start at the... Are we starting at the top, bottom? Where am I going to start? Let's start with your cowpokes, mate. Let's go Oklahoma State. Let's get them out of the way first. So we're starting at the top. I like it. Uh, starting sm- square in mediocre. That is whoa, where we're starting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Above average at the very least. Thank you, my friend. This is the reigning Cheez-It Bowl champions. <laughs> yeah, you like that one, Miami. Uh, look, <laughs> o- Oklahoma State football program, for those of you that are not aware, are a, a story of consistency. So in the last 50... <laughs> The last 15 years, they've had 15 winning seasons. Uh, They continually make bowl games as a result of that. They perform quite well in that, but they fall short of being a true contender and challenger of Oklahoma. They they just are unable to get over that that hurdle. So the last time that they were able to take out the uh, conference was in 2011 when I happened to be there. Uh, luckily enough, since then, it, it hasn't been such happy going. Uh, the times of Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman doing their thing. Uh, and, and this year will be a bit of an interesting one for the, for the Cowboys. So there are some really good offensive playmakers that are departing that are going to need to be replaced. You, you take the likes of uh, Chuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace. Um, Chuba had the rushing record in 2019, so not last year, the year before. He ran for over 2,000 yards, was a bit banged up last year and, and was probably disappointing, ended up... Uh, pulling himself out and, and prepping for the draft. He, he got drafted by the Carolina Panthers, I think, in the fourth round. Um, and that was on the back of a really what was disappointing year. Uh, but he, he was an electric talent, and, and he was able to generate a lot in this offense. Tylan Wallace, also, I think, two-time Belitnikov finalist. Uh, really good player. Suffered an ACL injury across his career there, so he kind of did it all. He was showing out, hurt his knee, came back was really good a little bit undersized but absolute gamer and his highlight film is is amazing college football stuff he's where he's not a massive dude but he runs dudes over he makes plays he, he gets up he can get after the ball uh, run after the catch all that awesome stuff so that's a big hole to fill and, and I think that's probably one of the biggest concerns for this Cowboys outfit is that wide receiver room so historically Cowboys always been productive uh out wide and through the air and last year that was probably a bit of a weak spot they they really kind of tend tended to rely on the defense a little bit and and that's strange as an Oklahoma State fan it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable yeah it's it's just it's just weird so the defense last year was quite quite good uh Jim Knowles former I think it was Duke uh defensive coordinator uh came across and really has started to turn something around there. And, and they had a fantastic year. And, and that's where I'm expecting another strength of this Oklahoma State team to be, is in that defense, especially in the defensive backfield. So Kobe Harvell peel uh, and Malcolm Rodriguez uh, have decided to come back and, and as super seniors are, are going to have a lot of experience uh, helping things out there. So... They're, they're looking strong on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, over on the offense, as I said, wide receivers, question mark. Brennan Presley is an electric uh, freak. So he lit up that cheese at bowl. He was the one who went for 160 yards and, and three touchdowns. 
but he is kind of a, a, a smaller dude. He's only a, a buck sixty, five foot nine. Um, so there's there's a, a big question marks outside of that. So over at the quarterback position, we've got Spencer Sanders back for his third season, and it really is a bit of a make or break one for him. So he started as a, a true freshman uh, for this outfit and showed some real flashes as, as a dual threat playmaker. Uh, but has also been cursed with really bad, uh, really timely turnovers that, that often have hurt this football program and, and held them back. And that's been his big curse that he's had so far. So the interesting thing and, and the direction of this team will really be how much of a step forward has he taken, as it is for a number of football programs. We all know that this is the most important position in all of sports. If, if he can take the next step and be a true dynamic dual threat top 20 quarterback in the league that he was once considered to possibly be, then I think the, the Pokes have, have, are in for a really good shot this year with experience on defense, uh, experience up front, a deep running back room. That there's going to be an opportunity there for him, but there is there are a number of question marks. This isn't the perfect season that as an Oklahoma State fan you kind of wait for and you need where you've got – you're returning uh, playmakers all across the field, a settled quarterback, a good defense. It's not that. There's probably a few of those pieces, but it's not the full picture. So I'm I'm a hold on my Cowboys. Uh, I, I, I don't think... I mean, they've shown the consistency across the journey. Uh, like, yeah, they, they could surprise and, and make it through to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I think the two teams that are favourite and in the running that we're going to talk through in this session are deservedly so this year. So, so I don't think they're they're at that level, but it wouldn't shock me if if they're able to pull it out and get in amongst that. But again, the, the same thing. They've got some tough road games in there. Uh, there's a tough little stretch that they've got where I expect them to drop one or two of those that, that's going to set them and, and keep them back in the pack. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be holding. I think I'm a little bit out on the pokes i don't fully trust spencer sanders like you mentioned you mentioned tyler wallace dylan stoner was a really good one whose name i don't think did come up but he's out as well as a complimentary and i say complimentary as it you know sounds like it's a bit of a passive role but he was certainly a, a real weapon on the outside or you know in that wide receiver room as well so i and, and you're sort of saying, you know, they bring a whole bunch of experience back on that O-line. Yeah, but they were really bad in pass protection last year. So Tell bring them, them all back. first-round draft pick. Yeah, it doesn't make them necessarily <laughs> any better, though. Like, they weren't great in pass protection. So I'd be a little bit nervous. They are going to have to lean on the defense again. I just don't think they're getting enough offensively this year. So I think it could be just a little bit of a step back and a get through this season and, and recharge for 2022. <laughs> All right, let's change. Where do you want to go next? Okay, uh, well, let's get this one out of the way. Let's talk Kansas football, the doormat. Okay, so this is probably like watching an Australian hockey player retake a penalty. Oh, like, well, it's just a majority of penalties. that. Yeah, just yeah, all of them. Uh, so Kansas went 0-9. I am selling on Kansas, but you're <laughs> probably not getting heaps <laughs> of money for them anyway. But if you do hold stock in Kansas... Set fire to it. Uh, it's just not worth it. Lance Leopold comes across from Buffalo, and I don't know why. Like, I just don't understand why you take this job. Uh, as, a, as a good quality up-and-coming head coach, you literally take any other one. 
I think this is a good get for Kansas. Uh, you know, he's going to bring hopefully some energy. Uh, he's been around the traps. Like he knows college football. He's recruiting tough places, obviously playing in the Mac at Buffalo. Like it's hard to recruit to Buffalo. Um, you, you know, just weather, climate, location, all those sorts of things are, are not great conference. He's been able to do that okay and develop some players. Um, but it's still the worst. Kansas is still the worst Power 5 job, and it's not really close. Uh, they're going to lose all their conference games. They play Coastal Carolina, who should beat them comfortably. South Dakota should beat them comfortably. They also get Duke, who we mentioned the ACC preparations. Both teams wear blue, and this would be the worst Power 5 game of the year. Uh, so if you want to watch, like, you know... I could say something really politically incorrect, but I won't. Uh, if you want to watch two inept football teams have at it, then it actually might be okay because you won't realize that one team is worse than the other. you just be like, oh yeah, this is a game of football and it's close. It'll be shit, but they don't have the talent. They, they're in a bit of transition with their coaching. If they can win two games this year, that is a huge win. They're not going to, but if they could, that is a win. Yeah, look, I'm not going to pile on. Uh, I, I agree. They don't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of experience. They've got a brand new coaching staff coming in, coming in really late too. So this isn't something they've been able to prep for. There's going to be some massive growing pains. This is a long-term rebuild. I, I kind of I want to see them get better, especially when they move across to the Big Ten and, and things start happening out there for them. Absolutely. I want, I want them to turn this thing around, but... It's it's not going to be this year. They're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of games. They're gonna lose big. Okay, so moving along in the in the big eight, um, where do we head next? Let's go. Let's go alphabetically order in alphabetical order down. So after Oklahoma State, let's head to Texas Christian. TCU. All right, here we go. So looking at the Horned Frogs, this is a program that went. Six and four last year, uh, and historically, you know my thoughts on Gary Patterson here. I'm a big fan. Th- think he does a fantastic oh, just, job there. Uh, he moves you back in every year, doesn't he? He's had a great. He's had a great career. He's a, he's an all timer, a legend of the sport. But I think the last few years, these Horn Frogs have not been great, and and they've been disappointing in a number of spots. I think. What's probably most frustrating is that they show some really good and they ha- and they string together a few weeks where you're like, man, these guys are actually pretty good. And then they'll do the same on the complete other end of the spectrum where they're fucking woeful. Like they have six turnover games or they have like areas where they just can't score or and or they'll just get beat up and, and they'll give up massive score like there's they're a bit all over the shop and, and you don't want that you need a bit more consistency especially from a program that has been this successful that that should be kind of a bit more like Oklahoma State right like like constantly vying for double digit wins where I think they're, they're yo-yoing a bit more than that at the moment and I think that this year is probably more of a down one than an up one uh, I'm I'm selling on TCU so six and four bowl eligible I I see a world where they don't make a bowl game this year uh, I'm, I'm this is a team that I am much lower on um, I think that Max Duggan, uh, the quarterback that they have there, is not someone that I put a lot of weight into. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's uh, a massive 
dude. I, I know a lot of people do think that he's done some cool stuff and, and might break out, but I just don't see it. I think he's kind of an above average talent uh, and he doesn't really have a whole heap of playmakers around him uh, in this for, uh, Horned Frogs outfit. So for mine, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know where it's coming from for them. I, I don't know what there is to be excited about. Uh, on this outfit so I, I see them an, a disappointing year for them uh, and potentially a, a part where they need to start to look at a bit of a reset uh, for how they can do it and conference realignment might, might offer that up oh ouch yeah I'm probably a little bit more positive on TCU I think this year uh, I do agree with you wholeheartedly on the feast or famine nature of their offense particularly but certainly the team on as a whole there were times where they scored like 40 points and then the next week they would struggle to get it past halfway and there was just no consistency. I think the running back position has been a big issue for them last year and it will continue to be the case this year. They're really, really going to struggle to generate much from that running back position. So if you've got questions on Max Duggan, you're asking him to do a lot as well, which isn't great. Eight starters back on defense. I think if they can learn to run the ball again and, and play that good defense with what should be a pretty experienced um, stopping unit or stopping side of the ball. They should be okay, but again, Gary Patterson needs to earn uh, a little bit more street or earn some street cred back at this point. I think he's lost a bit of goodwill with uh, not only the the fans in in Texas or at TCU, but also just the you know the overall. Uh, college football his his reputation has just slid a fraction and I think you know that he needs to to earn his stripes a little bit again which is ridiculous for a guy that's been there for like 20 years or however long he's been there so um, yeah he needs to to sort that defense out okay moving on where should we head to next let's do it let's talk Baylor Baylor football uh, two and seven last year I'm a big hold on them I, I don't I don't, I don't know if Dave Aranda's actually a good head coach. No one does. I mean, he had his first year at the helm last year and it was tough, obviously, under the COVID situation and, and everything was a little bit disjointed, but I'm not 100% convinced yet. He, he hasn't got the right guys in there on the offensive side of the ball from a coaching staff perspective or a recruiting staff perspective. And we expected that anyway with all the um, transfers and graduates and all that sort of stuff on the back of Matt Rule leaving. Um, Charlie Brewer is out of town. I don't know why he went to Utah, but he did, which leaves them with a whole bunch of unproven guys at quarterback. Jacob Zeno, who we know he had that big fourth quarter in the 2019 championship game and threw like two touchdowns in three balls or whatever he did and, and then just couldn't complete a pass after that. But the offensive line was horrific last year, like one of the worst in Power 5 or the entirety of college football. So they need to be far, far better in pass protection and they couldn't run the ball either so um, really really rough year for the most part on the offensive side now they do bring Jeff Grimes over from BYU now he obviously ran the offense there for Zach Wilson and they're looking to generate uh, some bigger plays with him at uh, Baylor this year the only real bright spot for me and I thought he was fantastic was Tyquan Thornton last year at wide receiver but he's gonna need some more help on the outside the defense was solid um, but having Dave Aranda as your defensive coach you probably need to be you know one or two in the conference is the rebound coming for Baylor I think yes but uh, bowl game maybe 
but I don't think they get there yet this year. I think they're still a little bit away. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there, mate. I, th- I think they're on the right path, but it, it, I don't expect a bowl game this year from them. Uh, it's a bit of a leap. They're still the the rebuild is on, uh, and I think that they will um, will struggle a bit. So I, I think I've talked down a lot of the Big Twelve. Actually, someone's got to win, right? Yeah, but yeah, that's what that's where I get to as well. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's, it's not this Baylor team. So uh, I'm not overly optimistic of them making much noise this year okay staying in the state of texas let's head to austin and what do you think about sark and the longhorns yeah so this is obviously marquee program one that always gets more attention than perhaps they deserve uh, as a football program and one that is really looking to turn things around after ejecting uh, Tom Herman, so he went, what, three of four in bowl games? Uh, and, and, and like, it, there are a number of key stats with what Tom Herman did where you're like, actually, he's had a pretty good run there, as are the expectations at Texas that if you're not competing for the Big 12 championship and the national championship, then you're not doing, you're not living up to where, what's expected of you. So Texas last year finished seven and three. It's not a bad rate, right? Tough to, tough to see someone get run out of town after a 7-3 year, but that's exactly what has happened. So Sark comes in. With that, I think there's, there, there's less likelihood of, of some of the seniors sticking around and, and that sort of stuff. So there is quite a, a number of players turning over on this football program. I think they have the least amount of returning experience coming back in the Big 12. But the guys that they do have there are legit they do still recruit at a higher level they've done a piss poor job of getting some the best out of their recruits because if you measure programs for recruit rankings versus what they they generate in the draft then texas perform well down in the bottom quadrant of that and and it's it's Yes, you know, over a small sample size, you, you can get it wrong on, on a guy who's evaluated as a recruit and how they end up. But over time, more often than not, there is some merit to analysing those numbers. And, and that's a big part of why Texas haven't been able to get back into national revel- relevance because they haven't, they haven't turned their players around. So, the, so they've moved over to Steve Sarkeesian, the former offensive coordinator at Alabama, who's just come off of a historic year with the offense that he's run there. He was given most of the credit for that. So like I know you, uh, Kempi, were massive on Joe Brady, right? And, and, and the stuff that he did at LSU as part of their historic run. Do, do you see any sort of similarity with the stuff that Steve Sarkeesian did at Alabama? Or are you a lot... Do you stand back off of that and think not so much? I'm not nearly as impressed by what he does, perhaps because of some of his prior work with USC and what we've seen from Sark. No, I'm a big believer in Sark. I think he is a, a fantastic uh, offensive mind. I think he is charismatic, and and that is all. You know, you have to have that to go and coach at te- Texas, which I think is really important. Uh, you've got to be able to recruit. He can do that as well. Obviously, his USC stuff. There was some issues going on there, and I'm I'm glad he gets a second chance. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good one. I, I think this is a far better call than the Tom Herman one. I think I know I love Tom Herman. I was a big Tom Herman guy. He was a he was a Texas guy, and he was very um, he he was a well renowned coach in the state and and all those sorts of things. But there was he he didn't have the 
I'm not going to use the term swag, but Sark's just got a bit more to him. There's a bit more of a spark about him. There's a bit more to like about him. He seems in control. Uh, he's got he's got a good quarterback room. I think Casey Thompson looked good in in spurts last year. Bijan Robinson is the best running back in in the Big Twelve and potentially. Well, actually, I better be a little bit careful before we talk Iowa State football here. But he like he need, he should be in the conversation for you know the top five running backs in the country. Like he is such a good guy. I, I just don't understand. Um, I just don't understand why he didn't get the ball more last year. I think the talent is there. I think the coach is in place. There's no reason for me that Texas actually can't put turn it on this year. So I'm I'm a big believer in Sark and the Longhorns this yeah, year. Yeah, Texas uh, is back. Well, no, <laughs> no they're, they're going away. But uh, look, I, I agree with what you said. So Casey Thompson is the guy who's expected to get the nod at the quarterback position after Sam Ellinger is leaving. Uh, another highly recruited guy could could be a special talent. We're going to see quite early on uh, in, in an early matchup with Arkansas as to what he's got. Uh, as you mentioned, Bijan Robinson, dead set, superstar potential. And, and if I had to pick a breakout player with, within the Big 12, he's the guy. It, it's, it's a popular pick because he has that pop about him. He was a highly rated recruit. Last year, as you mentioned, didn't get the ball a lot, but when he did, he averaged over eight yards mm. a carry. Like he he was electric, and if Sark will be able to get him in spots, think Najee Harris and and what he was able to do there. We're gonna see a similar sort of output, I think, uh, and results there from that. Where I get a little bit hesitant about projecting a successful season for Texas, they've got to go on the road to Oklahoma, on the road for Iowa State. Uh, Obviously, a couple of tough gigs there. They're going to be the two main contenders this year. Not good that you've got them both on the road. Uh, we talk out of conference with that Arkansas. It's one they should win, but who knows? It's, it's going to have a little bit of extra spice to it now that this whole SEC move is, is on the, the table. So there's going to be more eyes on it, which I think probably actually helps them. But across mm. the journey, I look at this and I go, Oklahoma State, Iowa State game, they're probably going to drop. I then, well... Oklahoma uh, will be Red River rivalry, so it's not a true away game. But um, then somewhere along the line, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, they're going to drop one of those. Uh, so mm. I, I think they're, they're probably, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. I think they're a buy overall, but it, it's, this is not going to be the year where they get back into the Big 12 title contention. That's fair enough. And as a Texas fan, of course, there's a lot of those out there. Uh, just be patient. Like, it's not going to come year one, week one. Like, give him some time. Like, if it doesn't come this year, you guys will be fine. Relax. you got heaps of money. Chill. Yeah. Wait till you start getting beat up by Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, where to next? No, clearly. Uh, uh, where to right. next? So, we've got a couple of heavy hitters left uh, on your side of the, the fence here. So, let's start with the uh, challenger, Iowa State. Okay, I feel like I'm lacking a bit of energy here. Like the adrenaline's come down off the hockey loss now. I've stopped shaking and stuff, and I've just gone a little bit flat. So I need a bit of a bloody pump up here. So let's get into it. Iowa State, 9-3. and three. I am buying. I know there's a, a small margin there for improvement going 9-3 and three last year, but Brock Purdy is back for another year for the Clones. His fourth year as the starter at quarterback, that just does not happen very often. Um, Charlie Kohler at tight end, Xavier Hutchinson at wide receiver, Brees Hall, who probably is the best running back in the Big 12 rather than Bijan Robinson. Uh, 
And he's probably got the best offensive line in the conference as well. This offense has to put up points. And I think they do. There's no reason that they can't. All the things are there for Brock Purdy to have uh, an all-conference year at the quarterback position. He just needs to be consistent. And that he is something he hasn't done throughout his whole career. He'll be great for all of his games until he has those one or two a year where he just turns the ball over. They go three and out five times in a row to open the second half. And in those games, they end up going down by 10 points or three points, and they just get run over the top of. Uh, If he can get rid of those games, remove those ones, and just be even like average, even if he can just be okay, not turn the ball over and, and get a couple of first downs, get some field position, play the running back game, like then they should be okay and they're going back to the championship game. He just can't lose a game off his own hand, and he has done that in previous seasons. That's the offense. On the defensive side, they they returned 12 of the top 15 tacklers, a heap of experience there. Mike Rose was the conference defensive player of the year last year, and he's back. Um, To me, this has to be a conference championship or bust. If they they don't win it this year, they're not winning it. I also think this is maybe leaning into a bold prediction later, but swan song for Matt Campbell as well in Ames, Iowa. Um, The head coach there, he's, you know... He hasn't, he's recruited okay, he's recruited pretty solidly, but this is his shot, he has to get it done, and this has to be the year. I think it probably happens. Yeah, look, I think you've hit on all the, the main points there, mate. I agree, this, is, this team has by far the most experience coming back of all the groups. This was a team that was really close to taking out the Big 12 last year. All the important positions are coming back, and... and Matt Campbell, as you mentioned, is a fantastic head coach who's done a really good job, was very much expected to kind of take it this last year and and have his shot at the NFL because he was a hot name, massive programs, potential NFL gigs on offer, and he stayed pat. He said, no, I want to continue building while I am here. Uh, Obviously, how things shake out in the Big 12 and what happens for Iowa State will will impact on his future as well. But you're spot on. This is their shot. If they don't do it this year, they ain't ever fucking doing it. Unless it's the Big 8, and then maybe, you know, they'll they'll get involved then. But... uh, Plenty of room for optimism uh, if you're an Iowa State fan. Really a bit of a media darling. I think everyone is kind of getting a bit of fatigue about the Alabama, Clemson, LSUs, Ohio States, Oklahomas. Iowa State are the popular pick for the the minnow who actually has a shot at at having a crack here with all the experience that they've got. The the one question I did have for you, and I'm putting you on the spot here, the tight ends. I know the the big tight ends that they've got there, are they back? They are big difference makers for them. Are they going to be up and around on the field? Yes. I think there's no way that Charlie Kohler doesn't have a huge impact and isn't the guy you want him to be. And um, I know they've got another guy. I can't actually think of his name at the moment. It escapes me. Um, but he's more of a blocking guy. And, you know, I think you've got two really good ones. But, you know, I mean, Charlie Kohler probably should be the first tight end off the board in the draft next year. Whether he is or not is a different story, of course. Um, but I'm expecting a big year from him. Uh, and, you know... They just have all the pieces. Like I don't, I don't know what to. I don't, kind of don't know what to say. Like they've got the quarterback, they've got the running back, they've got a wide receiver, and they've got a tight end as well. Along with the best offensive line, like you literally can't carve out a better offense 
um, in the Big 12 this year. Could you go for some more talent at some of these positions? Well, yeah. I mean, they don't have the best athletes in the country at those positions, but they've got really good pieces. There just doesn't appear to really be a weakness in this team. So, yeah, absolutely. You're looking cool. nervous there, mate. You are right? Oh, look, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed when it's not my Cowboys as this team. And, and I'm just thinking back to that missed field goal against Iowa State in 2011. That's exactly what I had going on up top. <laughs> okay, let's head to Texas Tech. Uh, what are we doing with the Red Raiders this year? Red Raiders are going to be my buy program uh, from within the Big 12. So I, I like this this Red Raiders outfit and, and the direction they're heading in. So last year, four and six. Uh, and that's kind of where they've been playing for a long time now in that disappointing round bowl game, just short of a bowl game range. Uh, and that was the Cliff Kingsbury era. It's now carried across to the Matt Wells one. Uh, and there's a bit of heat on him to, to start to turn things around. And I think they're going to do it. I, th- I think on defense, they'd get just about everyone back. And, and they need it because they were pretty they're pretty garbage. So I don't know if that's a good thing when it's like a full bad defense coming back. Yeah, they're all more experienced, but they weren't great. I don't know how to take that. But the, yeah. the, they're going to be experienced. They're going to be bigger bodies. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be they're gonna more, be more natural. They're going to be used to watching like someone wear number six running away from them. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. I've seen yes. this before. Precisely. So I, I, th- I expect improvement just purely based on the experience that they've got there. But the big game changer for me is Tyler Shaw. Shaw? Shaw? Shock. 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 It gets a K. Yeah, it's like shock. Tyler Shock. Yeah. Wow. I did not see that Tyler coming. Shock. But yeah, him shock. Uh, coming in, transferring in from Oregon is the real game changer for me. He's the wild card in all of this. I think he has a lot of talent. Uh, and potentially could show out in this Texas Tech offense. Uh, they've got uh, Sonny Cumbie coming in, uh, who's a former Red Raider quarterback himself, and I, I just like that match there. I, th- I think we're going to see some dynamic offense from them. I, I'm expecting big things from Tyler Shock here, and you, you look through their schedule, they're playing Houston, Stephen F. Austin, and FIU in the non-conference. They're going to win all of those games. They've got Kansas on. a dangerous team, though. Dangerous. They, maybe dangerous if you're team. Miami. <laughs> uh, we've I got. why I even do it to myself. Yeah, like, know, I'm just like, here we go. Don't, you don't wouldn't have remembered that, but no, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to pull the pin on this grenade and stand here and hold it in showing <laughs> it off to you. Anyway, carry on. Uh, they got Kansas on the schedule. So there's four wins. Uh, for, for this program that, that matches what they've got and, and I think there's another couple on this slate I think they get over the likes of uh, uh, Kansas State I think they flip things around with TCU and, and beat them so I think that after going 8-14 and 14 across the last two years that this Texas Tech team will go bowling this year um, and, and they're a buy candidate for me Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm a big Tyler Shock fan as well. Like, uh, opinions were really divided on him in Oregon. Some people loved him. Some people just thought he was inconsistent, particularly in accuracy. He turned the ball over at bad times. Um, didn't have a great command of the offense as a whole, and uh, decision making wasn't great. So, but I think he's pretty good. And there's talk that he could be the number one quarterback um, in the draft next year. So, I don't really fully understand all these opinions. Matt Wells, who you've brought up and is copying some heat, we need to see some evidence here out of him because he came in as a hot product. He was turning down big jobs to take on this Texas Tech job and 
he hasn't shown too much evidence just yet that he can actually run a good program. So it is time now, like you said, for the Raiders to go and they need to get to a bowl game. Um, but to do that, you've got to stop the run and bank on this offense actually churning out yards and points week over week over week. And that's something that hasn't happened since, heck, I don't know. Michael, Michael Crabtree, Crabtree beat Texas. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. Is that how far back we're going here? Like, it, it just, you know, they need to develop some consistency and they just haven't. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a hold on Texas Tech. But anyway, we will carry on. There's only one left for me. So I'm going to dive right into Oklahoma as they dive right out of the Big 12. They went 9-2 and two last year. Uh, they lost to Kansas State and then lost to somebody else. Who else did they lose to? Iowa State. Iowa State as well. But I'm buying Oklahoma this year. Some people have them ranked as the number one team in the country. But can Lincoln Riley and the Sooners get over the hump? I don't think so, probably. I think they run the table in the Big 12. I think they get to um, the playoff this time around. Uh they have the offense, but they have that every year. Like, this isn't a shock. They've got a quarterback, probably one of the best in, in Spencer Rattler. Uh, so this isn't a new thing either. They've had one of them pretty regularly. I'm not concerned about their losses on the O-line or in the receiving room. They've still got Marvin Mims coming back, Jaden Hazelwood, who has been injured on and off. And in fact, got injured in camp last year, I believe. Didn't play at all. And he was a big recruit a couple of years ago. The big pickup that they have got is Eric Gray coming across from Tennessee at the running back position. I think that's going to be really important for Oklahoma. Uh, and, you know, the offense will do work. They always do. I'm not concerned about that. On the flip side, again, we go to the defense. Uh, you're going to need to have a good secondary in the Big 12, generally speaking. It is a high-octane conference. They like to throw the ball a lot. You've got all these air raid teams. Um, this is where almost the air raid was born. Uh, uh, but And Oklahoma don't have that. There are a few concerns on that back end. They lose Trey Norwood. They lose Brendan Radley-Hiles from last year. Um, if they can cover it up, I think they'll be fine. Their front seven is great. Nick Benito, God damn it, can't believe that guy got out of Florida. Uh, Nick Benito was fantastic. Is fantastic in the middle of that defense. Um, I think they go undefeated. They get to the playoff, and if they don't do it, I honestly think if they don't do it this year, if they can't get out of that semifinal, Oklahoma will never get through the semifinal in a, in the playoff as its current state. It's just not going to happen. You've got all these other teams with brand new quarterbacks and different bits and pieces, lots of offensive talent leaving. If Oklahoma cannot do it this year, they never will. And by never, you mean the next year where we have it until it changes to a 12-team format? <laughs> yes. Correct. So if they don't know it this year, they're definitely not going to do it next. And look, <laughs> you're right. In a lot of what you've said there, they are primed this year. Spencer Atler, current favourite for the Heisman, uh, that's more so to do with the Lincoln Riley fact that he plays quarterback one position. It's almost default now. You become the favorite from the Heisman at the start of the year. But he was a special talent coming in. And, and he grew across last year, got better and better as the year goes on. The whole team did. They, they followed that narrative. And they were probably the hottest team in the country, bar Alabama, as we got down the stretch there. They obviously missed out on and, and, and didn't deserve to be in the playoff, but I think they would have given a hell of a shot if they had have made it in last year. 
on the back of how how they were traveling the last four or five weeks of the year. They were red hot, and that's why some people are predicting them to be the number one team this year. They have that stability at the quarterback. They've got a really good defense. Many are saying the best defense in the Big 12. They've got the most talent in in the Big 12. They've got the playmakers. It's, it's all there for them. Um, you know, the Iowa State are the underdogs in this piece, and, and they're going to get, you know, most of the Australians, I think, should be getting on board there because that's just how we roll. We, we, we really kind of get around the, the underdog spirit of that. But these guys are the preeminent force in the Big 12, and there's nothing to say that this is going to be a down year. There's not even big question marks there. It's, it, it, it's all there for them. They are primed. They're the number one contender. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, cool. We get to see Oklahoma win the Big 12 for something totally different. Lastly, let's get to West Virginia. Um, they're probably setting bins on fire or couches or couches, mate. whatever couches. they burn. I don't know, mattresses. I like the bloke. Just anything that they can set fire to. The really. bloke from the ACC giving me cheek about having the same team win all the time. Oh, God. Sweet comeback, bro. All right, let's go. Come on, let's hit West Virginia. Let's get through this. Okay, West, West Virginia, another, uh, you know, just Big 12 football team. Offense, stunk last year. Defense, actually really quite good. That's, yeah, that's what's what, going on here? <laughs> odd, I don't know. Weird, but uh, Neil Brown uh, really needs to get something going on the offense if he wants to, to kind of generate something from this West Hang Virginia Hang around team. in Morgantown and keep his job, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot that kind of came in all at the same time here in the Big 12. We talk about Neil Brown. Uh, we had Kleiman at Kansas State. We had Matt Wells. Um, there was Les Miles at Kansas He's since departed. Uh, but all of these guys kind of came in at the same time. Uh, and none of them have really been able to establish themselves uh, in the role, in, in any great confidence. All of them are kind of now, what, third year, really. The questions are being asked. Are we going to see something here? Is this is this the guy for the long-term future of this football program? But none so, of them have even made like consistent improvement. I've just been drifting, and West Virginia is certainly one of those. Yeah, well, I, but to be fair, I think that has been the nature of most of the Big 12. Like, if you take Oklahoma and Iowa State of the last couple of years, if you take those last couple of years, everyone has been in that boat. They've all been drifting around in, in various stages of it, some better than others. Uh, but no one really outside of Iowa State has kind of been building for, for something that, that feels serious. So uh, West Virginia, I, I think, have the the quality to go bowling this year. So I, I expect them to be able to do that, uh, be above 500 and, and get going there. But there are enough question marks around key areas to prevent me from being all in and, and calling these guys a buy team. I, I think Letty Brown at running back is uh, an exciting prospect and, and he showed big things last year so he's going to be a crucial part of this offense uh in order for them to be turning things up there and then the defense like if, if they can really cement themselves as the best defense if, if they can take that mantle here they're going to win games on on the back of that so it's the combination of things there uh it's, it's a really important year for west virginia with, with all this conference realignment stuff going on they don't have a fucking natural fit anywhere like of, of all the programs you can kind of start to move the pieces and, and find homes with them one of the biggest ones that you have concern about 
are West Virginia because they're not an overly academic school at all. So the Big Ten and the ACC, which, you know, hold academics to high regard, don't feel like natural fits. They're sure as shit not getting in the SEC. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a hell of a long way across the country. So they run the You've risk of... You've gone off on a fucking weird tangent here, dude. Are West Virginia going to actually win any football games? That's they what run I the, need to they know. Run We're the at the risk. end, mate. This is the last shitty ball club from this shitty conference that's dissolving in a year. So let's fucking speed through this, please. Merging to become a super conference. <laughs> uh, they run the risk of becoming a group of five team again. In order to prevent that, yeah. they, they need to have a promising year. So Finally. it's all on the line for them. Finally. Uh, You'd speak in sense for the first time in a long time. They Big have, 12 should become group of five. That's where we're at. They have gone 4-0 and in the bowl games that they've uh, played in um, over the journey over the last few years. So Lost to Miami in a bowl game. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, some, some have to. Not, some, not many. That doesn't happen very suffer, often either. Some don't <laughs> suffer that fate. Uh, look, I will wrap this up. West Virginia, average team. We'll make a bowl game. We'll probably win it. Fighting for their life. That was fucking tedious because West Virginia suck. All right, let's get to uh, sneaky good, sneaky bad, and conference champion. Uh, I'm going chalk here. Uh, Again, Oklahoma, I haven't really wavered too much from the favorites, but there's no way that they don't win the conference. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa State as the the way. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, Sneaky good. Who is the sneaky good team for you? Jeez, I'm not happy with my pick, actually. Okay. Uh, Mine follows on from what I've just spoken about, but Texas Tech, I think, are the sneaky good. I don't think they have a lot of uh, fans out there or or many pundits backing them in. But I think that Tyler Schott will uh, provide enough to make them sneaky good. I think they flip themselves around with the likes of a TCU and uh, they're going to be the team that make a few waves. Okay, I'm going the team that won't have a lot of pressure on them this year because as you've already mentioned, they go on the road to Iowa State and on the road to Oklahoma. There's a chance they beat Texas. If they do, they're sneaky good. Give me Max Duggan. Give me the TCU Horn Frogs, an experienced offense, a good defensive head coach. Get some running game going and yeah, we'll be... Uh, I don't know, what, what do TCU people say? Uh, I don't know, but the, the frogs, like, you kind of scrunch claw your... Thing. Yeah, you scrunch your hands up into, like, a little claw, and that's the horned frog, so... <laughs> yeah. I'll just that do does, that. Yeah, it doesn't work so well on uh, uh, an audio <laughs> audio podcast, but, you know, we yeah, can see each just, other, so we're having we're fun. just We're just crushing it here at the moment. Okay, Sneaky Bad, who is not going to get it done this year? Uh, so, for me, it's TCU. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good. All the reasons you just said, I just don't believe in them. I, I don't think any of that will come to fruition, so I think they're going to not make a bowl game this year okay sneaky bad for me you're gonna love this oklahoma state oklahoma will be dominant iowa state a good tcu kansas state are set for a rebound i believe obviously texas tech should be okay according to will so somebody here in the conference has to take a step back now kansas can't there's no stepping back any further for them they're going to end up in like literal college football Siberia if they do so that can't happen someone has to I'm saying it is going to be the Pokes Uh, they go to Boise State in week three that's not going to be fun on the way back from that they get Kansas State after the bye 
During the middle of the year, they have three or four teams on the road, including trips to Texas, Iowa State, and then the long one to West Virginia as well. So there's some mileage they're going to click up. Seven wins, seven or eight wins for them. That is a step back for Oklahoma State. So I'm saying sneaky bad, the Cowpokes. Ouch. Someone's a little bit bitter about that bowl game still. <laughs> all right. Hey, mate, This we're all 0-0. We're all zero, zero in the win-loss column at the moment. So uh, that's last year. Let's move on, hey? Yeah, look, let's I, move I, on. I'm not going to be one to say, let's look at the history books for anything great outside of, Bar- <laughs> outside of when we talk Barry Sanders. That's the only time I like dusting the, <laughs> dusting the old history wrestling? books Wrestling? You can talk wrestling. Can talk wrestling. wrestling. We've got the most national championships in, uh, big tw- in, big, in the Big 12. So across all sports, uh, we've got the most because we dominate wrestling. <laughs> You think you'd be able to find some offensive linemen then? Just get them in there. Do holding, anyway. holding. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a bit of that. All right, bold prediction time. This is the last uh, little bit for this particular gruelingly long and slightly boring episode. Uh, bold prediction. What is it going to be, Will? What do you got for me? I'm not happy that it's a boring episode because it's, it's just not to your liking. I'm sure some people out there are like, yeah, this is fucking like, fantastic stuff. I love I'm, the Big 12. I am, like they, they are also now equally as devastated as I at the future of the Big 12 because they've bought into it. I was back at this episode. They're like, I'm loving the Big 12. I can't believe we're losing it. What's going to happen? You, They're going to be you're searching through. The old rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic <laughs> sort of thing if you're buying in to this episode. So, yeah, uh, Look, my, my bold prediction will be that Kansas are going to win a game. Boom! It's that it's, is bold. Do you have gonna, a t- which game is it? Do you have that? No, no. no. I, I can't say it with any great confidence. But I, I think that uh, that Duke won that Duke one. Two, yeah, they yeah. they did two years yeah. ago. They beat somebody. Can't remember who. Someone in the Big Ten. The, I think. I just remember the uh, the message from like the Lawrence Police Department. <laughs> they were like. Fans of Kansas football, remember to party safely in Lawrence, Kansas. Right up. Right no, yeah, look, I, I like that Duke one. I'll, I'll, I'll circle that one as a win. Don't have much faith in them. So there you okay. have it. Kansas my bold, football game. My bold <laughs> prediction is... See, boring. Uh, you know I love a coach firing prediction. So I am going with three coaches from the Big 12 won't be there next year. And I don't mean that from a... Their team is moving conferences. <laughs> They're in the SEC. All right, well done. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying that these coaches will either move on through choice or be fired. So I think the ones at the top of that list, I mean, Matt Campbell's name will come up again. Uh, so I think he is a risk. Chris Kleiman or Neil Brown, probably whoever does worse is getting fired. Like either one of those guys, if they don't make a bowl games, possibly in a bit of trouble. I could see Lincoln Riley moving on to the next level because uh, there's been a lot of talk in that space around him going to the NFL as well. Uh, and the other one might be Gundy just because he'll probably do something dumb or racist or just maybe pull the pin after all these years. And, and maybe some coaches just bail out with this whole um, cyclone of turmoil that's surrounding this conference as it currently stands so i'm going to say three coaches in the big 12 not there next year yeah okay uh i like that you know mike gundy has worked his whole career played quarterback done his 17 years whatever it is now as, as the head coach he's finally got his son into the football program so his son gunner gundy uh is a walk-on Gun- and the- gunner gundy <laughs> 
That is so <laughs> fucked. That he's a walk-on so in the, the program. He's got him in the quarterback Gunny, room. Gunny. And he's been able to achieve that. So he's done it, and he's like, I'm done now. Everything's done. It's, you go, boy. Well, I mean, he's a walk-on. His name's Gunner Gundy. Did he just like... Stillwater like, Pioneers, I baby. To, I, I need to get as many of the same letters from our last name into our first name. Yeah, his so middle name is Gunderson. let's just start with Gun... No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. Is I've it? Made that. I've it made that could up. be. It could be. It's like, we're just going to start with Gun. Let's just start with Gun. It's like Gundy. So let's start with Gun. What an absolute pelican. All right. That brings us to the end of our Big 12 episode. Uh, for one of the last times in college football history, we will be delivering Big 12 conference news as a Power 5 conference. Um, if it does continue to exist, it'll probably be in there with the Pioneer or the Big Sky or you know whatever other conferences don't really make waves anymore in college football. You can stop jerking off on screen. That'd be good, Will. I'm not happy um, with this garbage. This is like the CNN guy. That's what I'm dealing with right now. Uh, yeah, that does bring us to the end of the episode. So uh, just in terms of the social media stuff, as always, please do hit us up at CFB Down Under. You can hit, find us at or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We still need to make some move on that social media stuff with the English baby, the college football down under baby. I still haven't decided what I'm going to call this child yet, but whatever it is, that's coming fast and furious, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. But Also, what led uh, my, to this baby? <laughs> <laughs> my, my time um, to do things like social media is going to become vastly diminished so i need to make sure that uh, i get some traction in that space but please do hit us up there we are of course also over with the vault studio podcast network so make sure you hit those guys up a lot of good content there with ja around the nfl uh fantasy football i think lewis has got some weird mma stuff i don't know uh, he loves just making noises and talking sport i don't know what that dude does for a job not so an accountant or something how does he have time? I know he loves a spreadsheet, so that makes sense. Um, anyway, thank you for joining us. Unless you've got anything else to add, William. It's been real. It's been real. We will be with the Big Ten in the next episode. But on behalf of that guy over there, my name's Aaron. That is Will. Thank you very much. We will see you next time. We've 100% done the Big Ten. Shit. I spent last night in the arms of a girl in Louisiana And though I'm out on the highway, my thoughts are still with her Such a strange combination of a woman and a child Such a strange situation